This passage uh, is in Mark 10. Just so you know, there are, uh, there are th- it's in three of the four Gospels, so uh, probably a pretty important story. Uh, this one doesn't say ruler per se, but the others say uh, that he was a ruler. And so putting all three together, you get a sense that uh, this guy was the rich, young, and in charge. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 31. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, How then can we be saved? Jesus looked at them And said, with man, this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has ever left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Happen. There it is. cut him off at the pass. <laughs> well, now Lou's coming back. <laughs> Take the shortcut. <laughs> Let's open in prayer. Lord, I'm just amazed that you put the perfect song in the perfect spot. 
that you have that all sorted out. Long before we choose and long before we understand that you still have it all sorted out. Lord, we recognize that this week has been uh, really difficult for uh, anyone who's had their eyes open and uh, been awake, breathing air. It's been a challenging week. And we come to you uh, because at the end of the day, you are our source of stability, our rock in which we land. Your word reminds us, Lord, that there are so many other things around. And yet, they don't satisfy. They won't fill that void. There's only one, only you. And so, Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I ask for prayer for hearts, for those who will hear this message, for those who will need to recognize those areas that need to, to be adjusted. And Lord, for myself, as I preach to myself, those areas that need to be changed, you are good. Even in the midst of dark and hard times, you are good. You are good and mighty God. May we not lose sight. May we not get so downtrodden that we can't see your goodness, your faithfulness. As the scripture says, your faithfulness through all generations. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I need to tell you a couple things real quick. Some nights, some Saturday nights are hard. I usually try to go to bed early. Uh, complete honesty, Saturday night's a hard night of sleep. My wife says it's spiritual warfare. I don't know what it is. But most nights, most Saturday nights are rough nights of sleep. And last night was no exception. Uh, last night was kind of weird. Uh, I don't understand dreams, and I don't claim to understand what dreams mean or matter and what, what they are. And I would tell them to you, but they're really weird. And, uh, but I, I woke up with a nightmare about, I don't know, 11 o'clock. At 3 o'clock, our fire alarm, I think it was a fire alarm, I don't even know what it is. I pulled the plug and nothing was on fire, so we were good. <laughs> 3 o'clock, the fire alarm went off. <laughs> it was just enough time to go back to, to close your eye, you know, and like, ah, oh, and then the alarm went off, and then it, then it was time to get up. I, I know that you've been there. And I can't help but think that those are a moment for me to pause about uh, what's important and to remind me about the value of a scripture and what needs to be said. And so as we look at this passage, I want to encourage you to challenge yourself. I know you've heard this passage before. I know you've read this before. And it's easy. 
it's really easy to say, I'm not rich. I'm not young, and I'm not in leadership. Is it not? That's an easy thing to say. May I remind you that if you have a bank account that's open and have any money in it, you're in the top 10% of the world. So I'm going to take away the rich part. And you're not as young as you were yesterday, but you are younger than you were, will be tomorrow. And you figured out how to get here, so I would say that there's some kind of leadership in your life um, and discipline enough to get here on time. More, most importantly, I think this, this passage speaks to us uh, in a very powerful way, speaks to me in a very powerful way. See, we're going to start a series that uh, I took a week off for a reason. I took a week off for a reason because I felt like I needed to, one, to recharge, but two, to just mentally and spiritually prepare for this month. Uh, the deacons and the deaconess board, as we have walked through COVID and the challenges of this world, um, we are not immune to the struggles that are out there. And you know, if you've ever read scripture, that there are lots of good scriptures that go both ways, <laughs> right? Um, and as we talked as a board, we, we realized that we weren't all on the same page. And yet God's word is still God's word. And so what do we do with those passages that we read and we can't get on the same page? What do we do with those moments? When we struggle with a verse that we take a piece of and we kind of ignore the other half of it. What do we do with a, a passage that challenges us in the way that we're doing life right now? And so we're going to look at four weeks. We're going to go four weeks of looking at what I call hard teachings. Scriptures that will challenge your faith, will challenge where you're at, if you allow it to challenge you. Now, if you ignore it, if you don't, if you don't feel any bristles or you don't feel um, any sense of like, maybe I need to look at this passage again, then maybe you're missing the whole point. Because these passages are difficult passages. Passages that will, will challenge where you're at. Just like this picture, right? We remember those moments where, I mean, to me, that would be one of the worst case scenarios. Put me in front of a board and make me try to figure out uh, something. Uh, that's an O for two for me. This passage today is about a young man, a rich young ruler, who in some ways makes the fatal mistake. He asks Jesus right off the bat, What must I do to inherit? Eternal life. And I don't know if you noticed, but Jesus does what he always does, or a lot of times does. Is that he answers a question with another question. See, it would have been easy, and this wouldn't have been much of a story if he would have just said, do A, B, and C, right? He could have, could have gave him the gospel right there. That's not what he did. He challenged where he was at. 
And I'm going to challenge you this morning and ask you, how often do you count the cost of your faith? How often do you count the cost of your faith? One, if it doesn't cost you anything, it's not worth anything. Two, we're definitely living in a world where the tables have turned. And I promise you that it will only cost you more tomorrow than it did today. And I believe as a church, as a church body, as a believers in the faith, that we are going to need to count the cost of our faith. And we're going to need to make different decisions than we've made our whole life. And we can do one of two things. We can pout about it. We can whine about it and complain. Or we can begin to change the way we do life. Because Scripture is pretty plain. That a faith worth having will cost. It's going to cost you. Again, if it doesn't cost you, it's not worth much. That may be a bit challenging. This young man, he comes to Jesus. And I don't know if you noticed, but it says he gets down on his knees. He takes uh, a position of submission because he knows that Jesus is a good teacher. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus reminds him of what? What's it remind him of? Yeah, what does the scripture say exactly? You know what he's jumping back to? He's jumping to Exodus 20 real quick. What do the Ten Commandments say, right? What do the Ten Commandments say, he says? But he doesn't say that. He says, you know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And this young man says what? I already do that, right? I've done that since I was a boy. I know in, in what he's saying and saying in other words is, I already know this. I already do this. I am a good moral human being. I'm doing what my parents taught me. I'm making them proud. I learned these at a young age. And I'm following them to a T. What the young man is saying is, I'm following the rules. I'm following the rules of my faith. Now you see there's a line through that, right? There's a line through that because following the rules of your faith will not get you to heaven. And that's what Jesus is telling this young man. Following, just following the rules for, rules for following the rules' sake will not get you to heaven. Oh, if it were only that easy. 
if it were only that easy. Jesus says, what does Jesus tell him after that? One thing you lack. What's he lack? He does, exactly, he does lack Jesus. He tells him, go sell everything you have. Get rid of it. See, one of the things that he doesn't tell you, what they, you have to read between the lines in the scripture is this. This young man has followed the rules of man. The commandments that deal with man, he's got those all figured out. He honors his mother and father. He didn't murder anybody. He didn't commit adultery or steal or lie or covet another uh, man's property. He did all of those. And what Jesus is saying, listen, here's where the problem lies. And don't you think that this young man doesn't know exactly what Jesus is saying to him? Jesus is saying, listen, here's where your problem is. Your, rela your relationship with others, you're doing great. But you're lacking one thing. You're lacking a relationship with God. These are the ones you're struggling with. You're worshiping other gods. What was... Uh, this young man's God. Money, right? Money was his idol. He, he didn't have a relationship with God because, so is money inherently bad? Not at all. But for this young man, money was a problem. It was where his heart was. Let me encourage you to think about the rules that you think are just rules of the faith and challenge you that when you look at scriptures to open your eyes and maybe allow God to make some changes. See, because if we're not careful, this is what we do. We check off the boxes of Christianity. This isn't about Christianity at all. This is just a picture that helps us remember that we check off the things we do or don't do in our faith. And we check them off and we feel what? Feel good, don't we? We feel good about ourselves. I checked off the right boxes. I'm okay with God. I followed the rules. I did A, B, and C. And so my faith is good. See, there's an underlying situation in this passage that doesn't say anything about in that day, there were struggles and trying to figure out how you would get eternal life. And the discussions of the day were this. Obviously, those with more money, more financial ability, had a better chance of doing enough right things that they could tip the scales in their favor to get eternal life. That's why when Jesus says, uh, rich men can't get to heaven, they're, they're it says what? The disciples are amazed. They're amazed because they're like, wait a minute, this flips upside down what our thoughts were. We thought that if you had the finances to do the right things, that that would get you closer to heaven. And we check off the boxes in our life. Cha-ching, 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 right? 
came to church on time, Sunday morning. I put my tithe in the offering. I said a 10-second prayer. I prayed for my neighbor. I did this. I did that. I didn't put other gods before. Whatever it is, right? I waved to my neighbor as I went by. He'll know I'm a Christian then. I challenge you as believers in Christ to be careful that you don't just check off the boxes and that you don't get in the habit of just checking boxes for your faith. Jesus didn't come so you could be checking boxes, did he? He came to change our lives and for us to change other people's lives by sharing the hope we have. He came because he loved us so. Maybe it's time in 2021 to reevaluate our lives. What I've noticed, what I've begun to understand is that the longer I've had my faith, the more an autopilot it gets. It's challenging to bump that change. Right? It's easy to do what I've done for the last 30, 40 years. Let me give you an example. I told you I went to this retreat. Go down, I drove, I don't know, four hours. I mean, what better than a hunting retreat? Some lodge, get to spend time with guys who are pretty like-minded. Uh, I was a little apprehensive, I don't know. I went by myself. I mean, that was scary enough. Um, but I go down there, and I, I love the, absolutely love the format. Here's the format. It's, it is program light. I'm not, I'm not a lover of programming. I, I don't like to be programmed to ABC. Here's the program. There's only one thing you have to do all weekend, three days, three nights. You have to show up for one hour discussion in a group with all the other guys. And you don't even have to talk. They encourage it, but you don't have to. I didn't get a piece of paper. I didn't have a, here's the outline. There were three very, very simple questions given to me, given to the group. And I know you guys think that 11 guys couldn't spend much time talking to each other, right? Because that's what guys... Hour was not a long enough for you, right? Here were the three questions. Night number one. What's the best thing and the worst thing about your father? Doesn't sound like much until you start to unpack that. Talk about a tough one. A couple of the guys, one guy, his dad was there with him. Thankfully, they were really honest and it was good. Second night, rate your marriage from one to ten. That's the question. I'm literally telling you what the, the question was one line. 
challenging. I actually asked my wife. I didn't want to be. And then we had to, we had to share that. But third question last night. And we didn't have to answer this one. But what is it that you struggle with in sin in your life? What is that secret sin that you have a hard time with? That was challenging. So all those, those were all the questions. So I go all weekend in this thing. And hey, the good pastor, you know, I got to keep a pretty good, I got to keep a pretty good, uh, you know, persona. So I'm careful about what I say. You know how that works, right? But I didn't want to be there to be the pastor. I wanted to just be me. And God spoke that week, last weekend. And here's what he said. Remember I told you I like to be on autopilot? I know you like to be on autopilot too. For 30 years I've been married. That's craziness. About to be 31. And probably for 31 years, my wife has wanted to pray with me every morning. And I'm a bit bullheaded. I get up at 5. She likes to get up at 8. We just don't, schedules don't work. So that's a great reason. That's a great excuse to not do what God called me to do. But when I left on Monday afternoon, Monday morning, I had a real sense that going home meant making a change in my life. Now, I'm the kind of person who, like, if I do this, I want to do this for the rest of my life. So missing it frustrates me and trying to think about what about the days I'm not going to be home? What about the days uh, she leaves early or I leave early? And all those, I'm, I'm looking for excuses, right? I'm looking for excuses to not pray with my wife in the morning. And it happens to be like 8.30 in the morning. And so I know she's on her way to work that day. So I call her on the phone. So she's on her phone. I'm on my phone in the cars. And she's like, how'd it go? It was really good. I said, well, God spoke to me. And I guess I should probably let you know. <laughs> I said, as awkward as it sounds and feels and is, is I know we're supposed to pray in the morning together. She said, oh, that's cool. So the next morning, she's like, all right, let's go. And I know she's excited because I can tell. She's like, maybe we should read too. And maybe we should. <laughs> like, whoa, settle down here. I didn't commit to that. 30 years she's been waiting for me to take two minutes of my day and pray with her to begin the day. 30 years I've been on autopilot. Slightly embarrassing to think, dude, took you 30 years to figure this out? It's not the first time it's come up. We've talked about it before. I don't know if you ever heard the story about our devotion time. We try to do this devotion. We have one. It's beautiful. Leather-bound. looks just like this. Couple's devotion. There's one page done. The worst part about that is if we'd have done no pages, we could have at least given it to someone to use. But now it has the first page done. And that thing caused an argument. And we don't argue much. I, we don't even know what the argument was. But we know this. Whatever it was, that thing caused the argument. Throw that baby in the fire. 30 years on autopilot. 
That's not good. But it came to mind that, listen, I need to work on these things. The preacher guy ain't any different than the rest of you. You need to work on some things. We're going to spend the next, this is the easy passage. I just want you to know. This is the easy passage. They're more challenging next two, three weeks. On the back of your bulletin is the passage for next week. Here's what I encourage you to do tomorrow. Read that passage. Pray about that passage. And when you come to Tuesday morning, read that passage. And pray over that passage. And when you come to Wednesday morning, read that passage and pray over that passage. I'm not asking you to make decisions. What I'm asking you to do is bathe that passage in prayer and ask God to give you wisdom to make the best decisions. See, because there's two choices. You can either read it and just say, well, I know what I believe and I'm good. Or you can say, well, see, and what that looks like is this, right? Black and white. And if we're not careful, we're black and white. And we like black and white. We like the rules. The rich young ruler liked the rules. If I do A, B, and C, I'm good. And the scripture says it's alive. It cuts to the heart of man. That doesn't sound like black and white to me. Not at all. See, Jesus could have done something very different with this young man. Right? He could have taken this scripture. Genesis 14, 20. And he could have said, And blessed be God, most high, this is Abram talking, who has delivered your enemies unto your hand. And he says, He gave them a tenth of all. Jesus could have just as easily said, you listen, wealthy young man, give your 10%. Right? That's a scripture. That's a, Jesus could have just said, here it is. Go on your merry way. Why didn't he give him this scripture? He does. Did you catch this part? This is my favorite part. This is why I picked the Mark passage. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus didn't tell him to, give, to sell everything because he wanted to fill the coffers of the ministry. Would it help? Yeah, but he didn't ask for the money anyway. He asked for the money to go to the poor, did it not? Jesus looked into this young man's eyes and he understood what was keeping him from eternity. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, give everything. And then come follow me. He knew that that money was in the way. That that was the thing that was going to take away. And so you too can be like the rich young ruler. Reading passages and scriptures and ignoring them. 
or reading those passages and asking yourself and asking God to give you wisdom about how to make the changes. Also says that money won't get you to heaven, right? It says, Jesus says, listen, it's going to be harder to get to heaven with money. Why? Because of this very instance that this young man is dealing with. I don't know where anyone's finances is, and I was trying to think of a great example to help us understand. And so I, I thought about this one. This one would uh, fit for me. Hopefully it fits for you. But I just want you to think just for a second about your bank account. And let's just say someone in your circle of influence, the people you deal with, needed uh, 25% of that. I don't care whether your balance is a dollar or a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. What if someone needed 25% of that? Would you be willing to give them what was needed to take care of a, a situation? See, we don't have any problem dropping a $20 bill into the offering or a special offering, or whatever's needed, right? Because at the end of the day, let's be honest, $20 is extra, right? In our minds, we have a set amount of, here's some of my funds, and here's a chunk that I'm going to give, and so this is expendable. And I'm just using money as an example. I could just as easily use time as an example. When things start to hurt, are you willing to give those? See, because the finances aren't going to get you into heaven. Putting enough in the plate won't get you into heaven. In fact, Jesus says, listen, it's going to be so hard. Pretty much impossible. It's going to be impossible. I don't know about you, but Seems to me like an eye of a needle is pretty small and it seems like a camel's pretty big. And, and Jesus says, What's impossible for man is not impossible for God. So, what is it that's in the way? What is it that's in your way? What is that one thing that keeps you from a deeper relationship with God? Sometimes it's really, really long uh, lived in our lives. Sometimes we learned it as a kid. My grandma, I remember my grandma, when I used to go over there, she had shelves. And she would have, she had a pantry. She had, she had a kitchen with shelves, which were full. And then she had a pantry with shelves that were full. And then she had a hutch that with, with uh, shelves that were full. And then she had other shelves around the corner. And they were all full of food, canned goods. Like some of them were old, like probably worth money old, right? And I was a kid, and I, I'm like, why does Grandma have so much stuff? And when we went, to, when when they moved out of that house, we 
went through all of this. There was stuff upon stuff upon stuff. You see, Grandma lived through the Great Depression. And if you know anyone who's lived through the Great Depression, there's always one thing in common. You can never have enough. And so in Grandma's mind, long before Walmart, right, you, every time you went, you bought an extra one and you put it on the shelf. Because you don't know when the day will be that you don't have it. And so, at that, so Grandma's truth her whole life was that you always have to buy an extra one. And you always have to have another one on the, on the shelf. Is that really the truth? No, but it was grandma's truth. And in our lives, we have so many of those truths that are our truths, not God's truth. Another example, broken relationships. If I've had a broken relationship, all other relationships will be that way. We get even a bit cynical. That I had a rough stretch with this person, so don't ever give them another chance. Whatever it is, right? Those are our truths, but not God's truth. I encourage you to challenge those spots in your life. I'll leave you with this final question. So what is it that you desire to do before you die? If we were to fast forward and, and look at your life, your whole life's work, what is it that is most important? What is it that you want to leave as a legacy? What do you want to be remembered by? See, it's easy to be in the middle of this crazy journey called life and forget that there will be a legacy. But when you cross that finish line, what is it that you want people to remember you for? Do you want them to remember you for the businessman that you were? That's not bad. Do you want them to remember you for the faith walk you had? Do you want them to remember you for the difference you made in other people's lives? See, because you get to make the decisions to direct that path. I was reminded this week of my friend Sue Hoyt. Uh, who passed a year ago November. My most experience with Sue was she was the cleaning lady who couldn't hear a lick. And I was the guy who scared her. 
because she'd be running the vacuum and she couldn't hear and I'd be like trying to sneak by so I didn't scare her. But that's not what I remember Sue for. I remember Sue for her faith. And I remember Sue for her always kind and quiet spirit. And it didn't matter who you were. That's how she treated you. Whether you deserved it or not. Let me give you one example. We had a couple years, well, it's been probably five or six years, a young person who had to do uh, community service. I don't know what happened. I don't even know. He got in trouble. He had to come and do community service. And this young man was the worst. Not the worst as a person, but he didn't want to do anything. He wanted to sit in the library chair. He would work for like five minutes. And then he would want to sit for like 40 minutes. I'm like, dude, you're here to do community service. We're not going to sign your papers unless you do the service. And Sue would be like, well, he did five minutes. <laughs> She's like, well, I gave him some stuff to do, and, you know, he did some of it. And it was the same kind Sue who was always the same kind Sue, whose faith stuck out because... She lived it. And it didn't matter if it was the pastor or someone who walked in off the street. She didn't know. It didn't matter. Her legacy was a legacy of faith that still goes on. And it's not only Sue. We know those other people who have lived their life following hard after God. And so I'll ask you to make those decisions about your own life. Scripture tells us in uh, 1 John 4.19 that Jesus loved us. We love Jesus because he first loved us. And so I'll ask you where that relationship is this morning. You might not even have a relationship with Jesus. That might just be this nice idea. I met a guy last week, 51 years old, and he was half embarrassed. He said, you know, I went to church my whole life. And last year I figured out I didn't believe in Jesus. Not that I didn't believe in him. I just didn't make a point to make him my Savior. He said, and I got baptized at 50. That seemed kind of ridiculous. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. It's never too late. It's never too far to come into a relationship with Jesus. As long as you're breathing, you can do that. But you got to make him number one. That's what Jesus is telling this rich young ruler you need to make God number one in your life. And for you, this, is, this financial thing is in the way. And the young man made a decision. His decision was, well, 
I'm going to walk away because I have great wealth. And he walked away sad. Now, I wish we had the rest of the story. We don't have the rest of the story. I wish we had the rest of the story. My gut tells me this probably wasn't the last time that he came in contact with God. And we may not ever know until we get to heaven. But today is the day of salvation, Scripture says. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Lord, we're reminded that we're never too far gone, never too far away, never unable to change. And so, Lord, I ask even now this that you begin to change hearts this morning. That, Lord, those who have things that need to change and that need to be first, that they would put you first. Lord, those who don't have a relationship with you, haven't given their heart. They know who you are, but they don't make you Lord of their life. Lord, today would be the day of salvation. That today would be the day that they make that change in their life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.